Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Recovery is Effing Awesome. My name is Robo. My day of grace is May the 7th of 2010. I want to thank you all for taking time out of your day to give me a listen. Uh, today we're going to talk about step six. We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Now, if you look in the hymnal on page 76, it technically is half a paragraph, unless you're a, a English major nerd like myself and it has more than five sentences which you know constitutes it as a full paragraph but to the layman if you're looking at it it's a half a paragraph so step six and step seven that's all the book gives us um again this book was written in uh the 30s and i think what happened was um you know we did some work in four and five bill and dr bob said you know we got to do some more work in in eight and nine um not necessarily uh, skip over six and seven, but to not give it that much uh, emphasis because it doesn't require uh, a lot of work uh, per se. Uh, however, in the 50s, uh, Bill went back and uh, kind of expanded on step six in the 12 and 12, and that's where we're gonna go to today, but in, in our hymnal, right? So at the end of step five, it says, is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped out on the cement put in the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? If we can answer to our satisfaction, then we look at step six. We have emphasized willingness to be indispensable. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things that we have admitted are objectionable? Can he now take all of them, every one? If we still cling to something, we will not let go. We ask God to help us be willing. And that's it. And that's 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 all of step six that's in the book. Um, yes, it does require a little work, but it doesn't really require like a whole lot of writing. Um, so step six, um, I said it before and I'll say it again. This is where my recovery really turned on. This is where I started living the program. Once I got to this point, I got done with step five. I, uh, I put everything on paper. I shared it with, with my sponsor as soon as I got done. And it was, it was like this. The, the baggage was just lifted off. Um, I walked out of the fog of life that I've been living in for so many years, and I could see sunshine. You know, I started living this program, and my life has gotten you know, enormously better since that point. Um, you know, I started living more in gratitude and uh, less in self, selfishness and self-pity um, and low self-esteem and, and all that negative nonsense that I carried around with me forever. Uh, but now, you know, when I did this, it was, um, I guess you could say it was a spiritual experience. The light came on, whatever, however you want to describe it, but this was a turning point in my sobriety. Now, when I first was reading this with my sponsor, I'm like, that's it? I'm like, that's, that's it? And he said, oh, no, 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 no. No, no. And then he got to 12 and 12. And he said, this is where uh, Bill kind of deep dives into uh, step six and why it is so important for, for our recovery. So step six in the 12 and 12 starts on page 63. The very first sentence, this is the step <clears throat> that separates the men from the boys. <clears throat> so declares a well-loved clergyman who happens to be one of AA's greatest friends. He goes on to explain that any person capable of enough willingness and honesty to try repeatedly step six on his faults without any reservations whatever 
has intend, indeed come a long way spiritually and is therefore entitled to be called a man who is sincerely trying to grow in the image and likeness of his own creator. Of course, the often disputed questions of whether God can and will under certain conditions remove defects of character will be answered with a prompt affirmative by almost any AA member. To him, the proposition will be no theory at all. It will be just about the largest fact in his life. He will usually offer his proof in a statement like this. Sure, I was beaten, absolutely licked. My own willpower just wouldn't work on alcohol. Change of scene, the best efforts of family, friends, doctors, and clergymen got no place with my alcoholism. I simply couldn't stop drinking, and no human being could seem to do the job for me. But when I became willing to clean house, then asked a higher power, God as I understand him, to give me release, my obsession to drink vanished, it was lifted right out of me. And isn't that the truth? You know, um, no human power could relieve me of my alcoholism. I had to believe there was a power greater than myself that could do just that. Um, and he did. And, you know, far be it for me to be so arrogant to think that if he could do that for me, then why could he not take away all of my shortcomings and all of my character defects and anything that I find objectionable uh, in my character? Back to the 12 and 12. In AA meetings all over the world, statements just like this are heard daily. It is plain for everybody to see that each sober AA member has been granted a release from this very obstinate and potentially fatal obsession. So in a very complete and literal way, all AAs have become entirely ready to have God remove the mania for alcohol in their lives. And God has proceeded to do exactly that. Having been granted a perfect release from alcoholism, why should, then shouldn't we be able to achieve the same means of perfect release from every other difficulty or defect? This is a riddle of our existence, the full answer to which may be only in the mind of God. Nevertheless, at least a part of the answer is apparent to us. When men and women pour so much alcohol into themselves that they destroy their lives, they commit a most unnatural act. Defying their instinctive desire for self-preservation, they seem bent upon self-destruction. Raise your hand if you ever felt that way. My hand is up, by the way. They work against their own deepest instinct. As they are humbled by the terrific beating administered by alcohol, the grace of God can enter them and expel their obsession. Here, their powerful instinct to live can cooperate fully with their Creator's desire to give them new life. For nature and God alike abhor suicide. But most of our other difficulties won't fall under such a category at all. Every normal person wants, for example, to eat, to reproduce, to be somebody in society of, of his fellows, as he wishes to be reasonably safe and secure as he tries to attain these things. Indeed, God made him that way. He did not design man to destroy himself by alcohol, but he did give man instincts to help him stay alive. It is nowhere evident, at least in this life, that our Creator expects us to fully eliminate our instinctual drives. So far as we know, it is nowhere on the record that God has completely removed from any human being all his natural drives. Since most of us are born with an abundance of natural desires, isn't it strange that we often let these far exceed their intended purpose? When they drive us blindly, or we willfully demand that they supply us with more satisfactions or pleasure than are possible or due to us, or do us, 
That is the point at which we depart from the degree of perfection that God wishes for us here on earth. That is the measure of our character defects, or, if you wish, of our sins. If we ask God to, if we ask, God will certainly forgive our derelictions. But in no case does he render us white as snow and keep us that way without our cooperation. That is something we are supposed to be willing to work toward ourselves. He asks only that we try to best, try as best we know how to make progress in the building of character. So step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character is A's way of stating the best possible attitude one can take in order to make beginning of a lifetime job. This does not mean that we expect all our character defects to be lifted out of us as the drive to drink was. A few of them may be, but with most of them we shall have to be content with patient improvement. The key words entirely ready underline the fact that we want to aim at the very best we know or can learn. How many of us have this degree of readiness? In an absolute sense, practically nobody has it. The best we can do, with all the honesty that we can summon, is to try to have it. Even then, the best of us will discover to our dismay that there is always a sticking point, a point at which we say, no, I can't give this up yet. And we shall often tread on even more dangerous ground when we cry, this I will never give up. Such is the power of our instincts to overreach themselves. No matter how far we've progressed, desires will always be found which oppose the grace of God. Some of us feel they have done well to dispute this. So let's try to think it through a little further. Practically, everybody wishes to be rid of his most glaring and destructive handicaps. No one wants to be so proud that he is scorned as a braggart, nor so greedy that he is labeled a thief. No one wants to be angry enough to murder, lustful enough to rape, gluttonous enough to ruin his health. No one wants to be agonized by the chronic pain of envy or to be paralyzed by sloth. Of course, most human beings don't suffer these defects at the rock-bottom levels. We who have escaped these extremes are apt to congratulate ourselves. Yet can we? After all, hasn't it been self-interest, pure and simple, that has enabled most of us to escape? Not much spiritual effort is involved in avoiding excesses which will bring us punishment anyway. But when we face up to the less violent aspects of these very same defects, then where do we stand? We must recognize now that it is that is that we exalt in some type of our defects. We really love them. Who, for example, doesn't like to feel a little superior next to his fellow, or even quite a lot superior? Isn't it true that we like to let greed masquerade as ambition? To think of liking lust seems impossible. But how many men and women speak love with their lips, but believe what they say, so that they can hide lust in a dark corner of their minds? And even while staying with conventional bounds, Many people have to admit that their imaginary sex excursions are apt to be all dressed up as the dreams of romance. Self-righteous anger can be very enjoyable. In a perverse way, we can actually take satisfaction from the fact that most people annoy us, <laughs> for it brings a comfortable feeling of superiority. Gossip barbed with our anger, a polite form of murder by character assassination, has its satisfactions for us too. Here we are not trying to help those we criticize, we are trying to proclaim our own righteousness. When gluttony is less than ruinous, 
we have a milder word for it, too. We call it taking our comfort. We live in a world riddled with envy. To a greater or less degree, everybody is infected with it. From this defect, we surely get a warped yet definite satisfaction. Else why would we consume such great amounts of time wishing for what we have not, rather than working for it, or angrily looking for attributes that we shall never have, instead of adjusting to the fact and accepting it? And how often we work hard with no better motive than to be secure and slothful later on. Only we call that retiring. Consider, too, our talents for procrastination, which is really sloth in five syllables. Nearly anyone could submit a good list of such defects as these, and few of us would seriously think of giving them up, at least until they cause us excessive misery. Some people, of course, may conclude that they are indeed ready to have all such defects taken from them. But even these people, if they construct a list still milder defects, will be obliged to admit that they prefer to hang on to some of them. Therefore, it seems plain that few of us can quickly or easily become ready to aim at spiritual and moral perfection. We want to settle for only as much perfection as will get us by in life, according, of course, to our various and sundry ideas of what will get us by. So the difference between the boys and the men is the difference between striving for self-determined objective and for the perfect objective, which is God. Many will at once ask, how can we accept the entire implication of step six? Why, that is perfection. This sounds like a hard question, but practically speaking, it is not. Only step one, where we made the 100% admission we were powerless over alcohol, can be practiced with absolute perfection. The remaining 11 steps state perfect ideas. They are the goals toward which we look and the measuring sticks by which we estimate our progress. Seen in this light, step six is still difficult, but not at all impossible. The only urgent thing is that we make a beginning and we keep trying. If we gain any real advantage in the use of this step on problems other than alcohol, we shall need to make a brand new venture into open-mindedness. We shall need to raise our eyes toward perfection and be ready to walk in that direction. It will seldom matter how haltingly we walk. The only question will be, are we ready? Looking again at those defects, we are still unwilling to give up. We ought to erase the hard and fast lines that we have drawn. Perhaps we shall be obliged in some cases to say, this I cannot give up yet, but we should never say to ourselves, I will never give this up. Let's dispose of what appears to be a hazardous open end we have left. It is suggested that we ought to become entirely willing to aim toward perfection. We note that some delay, however, might be pardoned. That word in the mind of a rationalizing alcoholic could certainly be given a long-term meaning. He could say, how very easy, sure, I head toward perfection, but I'm certainly not going to hurry any. Maybe I can postpone dealing with some of my problems indefinitely. Of course, this won't do. Such a bluffing of oneself will have to go the way of many other pleasant realization. At the very least, we shall have to come to grips with some of our worst character defects and take action toward their removal as quickly as we can. The moment we say, no, never, our minds close against the grace of God. Delay is dangerous, and rebellion may be fatal. This is the exact point at which we abandon limited objectives and move toward God's will for us. So that is step six. Now, after 
all of that reading, there are still some things that I find objectionable. Uh, am I entirely ready for him to remove those? Uh, yes. Uh, deep down, yes. Um, however, there are a lot of my character defects that used to be um, a self-preservation tool, such as anger, right? Because, you know, and anger is, for me, was based on fear. So if I ever got in a situation that just ter terrified me to death, right, I would, I would act uh, angry, right, like a crazy person, right? So then people would just leave me the hell alone. Um, character defects are not easy to get rid of. All of them are not. Uh, some of them are. Um, you know, I like the word sloth. I call it laziness. You know, I'm a human being. I'm inherently lazy. I am, and I know that. And so I have to work a little harder uh, to not be. You know, some of these are, you know, it's obviously a, a lifelong process for me. You know, I work on some every day, you know, when they crop up. Sometimes they don't crop up at all. Uh, but when they do, you know, now I can recognize them and I can take action on how to uh, get rid of them. Sometimes they go away really quick. Sometimes they linger for a while. Um, but they don't linger as often as they did. Uh, and I'm very grateful for that. So, you know, step six is huge. It, it may have like a little bitty part in the, in the book, um, but it is definitely a, uh, a major factor in me uh, living comfortably in sobriety. You know, because if I just wasn't drinking, but I still acted and I thought the way that I did when I was drinking, um, I don't believe that I would be as happy. Um, I don't believe that I would be as serene and I don't believe that I would have the peace of mind that I have now. Um, do my character defects, um, do they ever go away? Probably not. Uh, but as far as the level of them, um, I, I don't have near as many. And again, when they pop up, I can recognize them today. And I can work on, on trying to uh, get rid of them at, at that exact moment. So they don't um, you know, cause further disruption to me or somebody else. Um, anyway, that is uh, step six. Again, I want to thank you guys for taking time out of your busy day to uh, listen to me babble. I appreciate all the support. Uh, pre I appreciate the uh, all the comments that I'm getting, all the emails that I'm getting. Um, I, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am that, uh, that, that you guys are uh, supporting this. Um, I, I just, I, I appreciate and I love you guys for it. All right. You guys have a wonderful day. Stay sober. And remember, recovery is effing awesome.